Hello, people. Welcome back to the show. How you doing, Jeremy? Good Saturday morning. Yeah, it's pretty nice out, man. Chilly, but suiting for the chili cook-off. I'm waiting for this chili cheese dog eating competition. is going to be funny as hell. You know, I was thinking uh, of the participant that we know. We I actually, hope he doesn't we, have a stroke, yeah. you know? <laughs> I was telling him that, dude. I was like, aren't you supposed to be, like, watching, watching that yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, there's a trophy on the line. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, when you're a fucking athlete like I am. <laughs> I dude, like, I can totally see him saying that shit. It was funny. Definitely. And I was looking at the trophy, and he's like, it's like a hot dog trophy. Legit has a hot dog on top yeah, and shit? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty tight. I don't know if it's worth dying for, but... No, not at all. He's uh, like, there's a trophy on the line. And I was like, I ain't worth dying for. It's not there, an dude. Olympic gold, bro. Yeah. But it will be funny. But we'd know a few people in there, actually. Right I know now. of three. And I don't want to throw their names out. Yeah, I do Well, we could put Charles out there. He'll never... Oh, he's doing it? Yep, Charles is in it. Dude, Charles might do surprisingly good. Steve's worried about Charles. He was <laughs> like, like, that's, he's he might he's be like, that's my competition. Machine. That's my competition. Yeah, dude. The man can eat. I've seen him scarf down some shit. I could just, for whatever reason, I could I could just see him fucking murking one after another. Yeah. I think it's going to be it's funny, like no though. no emotion. It'll be good entertainment. Somebody's going to puke. I think the chili is going to so. be the, like... Yeah, it's not just a hot dog and a bun. Yeah, yeah, the chili is going to be the factor that hurts everybody. And that fucking cheese, that's going to fill them up. Yeah. I don't know if they're doing cheese or not. I said it's that. It's chili fucking cheese dog. Yeah, but I think they're just doing chili. Oh. I think I just said cheese because chili cheese dog goes so well together. Oh, okay. When right you say on. it, it's kind of like... No, it, it makes it just like flows peanut butter out. and jelly. Exactly. But anyways, um, this episode is not about a chili dog eating competition just so you guys are aware so today we are doing something that we just wanted to do for fun i mean we uh, we do all these for fun but this one we were just like oh this will be really cool to yeah, go yeah we didn't think about it very long we just wrote some shit wrote down. a bunch of lists of things down and the rest is pretty about much off, off the dome which a lot of this is anyways aside from some notes and dates and shit but anyway today we'll be doing just talking about some of the best debut albums in hip-hop. And some of these might be first solo debuts, and the artists were already in groups or whatever, like uh, Wu-Tang and Raekwon, Ghostface, Method Man, etc. We I know we, I have a couple of their solo debuts, which technically isn't their debut debut, but it's their solo debut, so right, I still right. considered it. Yeah, I'm going, yeah, so did I, going based on, like, same thing at NWA, but I have Dre, DOC, who's not in NWA, but that album's sick, Easy, Ice Cube, I believe. DOC's first album was great. Fuck yeah. I can't remember the incident that happened. It might have been, he got into a car accident, I believe, and his larynx was crushed or something like that yeah he can't talk and he can't really he's got like a miles davis kind of yeah. voice but Sucks. it doesn't carry on and do his music really which was interesting it's cool how people can sound one way and 
they put it on a track and they sound a completely different way. Like some people with accents, they sing and they don't have an accent. Yeah, yeah. Or people who have like like Miles Davis, I never heard the guy sing, but you know, if he probably would put his voice on a song, it probably sounded better than his speaking voice. And there's a word for it. I can't remember what the term it might is, but think about like Conway the Machine. Yeah. He's um has Bell's palsy and And has been shot through the fucking face, dude. Yeah, technically wasn't a supposed to be able to continue rapping because half of his face is paralyzed. Yeah, it's so crazy. But he kinda adjusted his sound to complement that. But now that he's gotten so comfortable rapping, like his last couple albums, he was actually going kind of fast on some things, oh, which the, is surprising. The, I can't to wait for the last one to get pressed, man. La Machina. Yeah, with the the kid and camel on the cover. Yeah. Yeah. Or no, that wasn't La Machina. That was um, I can't remember what the hell the name of that was. That was the cover for the single. Oh, okay. For um, with uh, Benny the Butcher. Yep. I think that might have been on. Machina. I'd have to go back and look. They release a lot of stuff, so it's hard to keep up sometimes with the names. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, we've got singles from random artists all the time. Yeah, especially those guys. They're always, they're very, very sought after to be on everybody's tracks right now, so everybody's trying to grab them for a feature, so you have like Benny doing stuff with Russ, and then Rome Streets just came out with something new yesterday, and, like, Conway's on there. What I think is kind of crazy, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the new Freddie Gibbs album, that's, like, his major label debut, isn't it? Freddie's new album? Yeah. Um, I don't know if Freddie's really been on a major label. I'm just... I'm, I'm sure he's on a subsidiary of a major label, but, like... Because now he's got, like, big names on his... Yeah. His features, man. Yep. Or it's like, but holy he's got shit. quite a but few. But he's good as I he has quite a shit. few albums out already. Yeah. So I don't know if that would technically be his major label debut. Uh, I'd have to go with Warner. Anyway, we go oh, back. Oh, it and could, look could later. be, could be, because he, he might have been one of the people that was releasing independent this whole time. Because uh, I know, okay. I know he's had stuff with like Alchemist and whatnot, but he's had. Um, all three of the Griselda members on tracks on numerous different things. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's kind of why I brought it up. Is yeah, those those three are probably my, you know, some of my top favorite like rappers that I've heard in the last few years because I've been like way out of touch with hip hop for like a little while there, man. Probably like ten years where I just like paid no attention to it. Yep. And there's a lot of good things in that 10 years, but there's also a lot, a lot of bad stuff, too. Yeah, that's why I took that break. Yep. Like, anyway, like I don't know. So, while we're on the topic of people who got shot, um, one of the debut releases that I have was 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying. That's actually what I was just going to say. Is- <laughs> Which... I don't hate that album, but that was like the time period for me. Where you fell off of it. Right. So the early 2000s. Right. There was a shift in the sound, but there was also a lot of good stuff. Like, I was... And I was... Dude, at that time, I was fucking... 2003, I would have been like... into fucking hardcore and metal, like, yeah. uh, you know. So it's hard to make that contrast. Right. I would have been like 13 in 2003. Yeah, I was... Or no, 
I was 18. So. And I remember being in. That's a big difference when you think about it now. Like 30, 37 isn't shit, but. Yeah. But when you're thinking. 18 yeah, yeah. is when like, holy way back fuck, there, That's like a whole lifetime. Yeah. It's crazy. I was. I remember when that came out, I was in sixth grade. So I would have been 12. Yeah. Dope. And that was. I mean, I was already into hip hop a bit before that, but that kind of like helped launch it full fledged past that. Right. And I remember I wanted a a Gucci belt so bad because he had it in the video, and I was like, "Man, that's awesome! I love that belt." And he had like the gun holster straps that yeah, were yeah, Gucci yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I remember buying. Um, my mom took me school shopping, and I bought some lugs. And then a bunch of South Pole clothes. Oh, just, for like just sixth straight grade. up wigger, wigger shit, dude. Yeah, Hell yeah. yeah. And because I, I don't know, I was huge into it and wanted to. And then like G-Unit came out. And I wanted some G-Unit sneakers so bad, but my I mom wouldn't those. buy them for me because they were like 120 <clears throat> bucks. Fuck yeah, shit was expensive. Yeah, they're crazy expensive now since they don't, they haven't made them in so long. You go to find them now, it's nuts, but. But see, that would have been about ex- the same. I was the same age though when I did that exact same shit you just did. Yeah. Only I did it with like Wu Tang. Right. And had like my grandma fucking, like every year she'd be like, "You got fifty bucks. You can buy spend it on whatever you want." And when I between twelve and thirteen, that fucking Christmas before I turned thirteen, I asked for a fucking you know motherfucking gold chain with a Wu. Yep. Medallion, like just ridiculous yep. shit I had for a, a white boy from fucking Northern like, Michigan, you know. Yeah. But I was like, I don't give a fuck. I love this shit. I had a chain with a little rim on it that was a spinner. Oh damn! Yeah, super. But nerdy. I didn't wear it off all that often because I was kind of like, fuck, all these people are gonna really make fun of me for this. Yeah, you like, knew. It was I'm not from I'm not cheesy. from the hood or anything like yeah. that. Like I shouldn't be wearing this, but I was. So, like, enamored in that culture with fashion that I... Yeah, yeah. I just wanted it. And then it just kind of stuck forever out there. Well, like, see, I'm still big into clothes and shoes and hats and things like that. And now that I actually have money to buy that shit, I have a ton of it. But back then, like, I really wanted all these things that I couldn't have. See, I didn't get... I got, like, Wu-Tang, obviously, Wu-Wear yep. was the shit. But... I never got in, like, it seems to me like from 50 Cent, you took a lot of, like, you had got attached to the fashion, you know what I'm saying? Like, where, I think that's cool to come at it with a different angle like that. Like, I've never heard anybody say some shit like that, where for me it was like, it wasn't about fashion so much. Not that I could afford any of that shit either, you know? Right. It's like a Wu t-shirt. I did get that, but... I don't know, man. It's Do like, you still I was have more, it? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. The WooWare t-shirt? Yep. Yeah. Some then, of that stuff's worth a lot now. Some of their t-shirts I see sell for like two to 400 bucks, depending on oh, what shit. they are. I got a Wu-Tang Forever one with all the all nine of them on it. It's the same picture that's in the CD. Is it the one where it's like the Brady Bunch faces? Yeah, yeah. I have that shirt, too. And then, but mine's like a later repop of the shirt. Oh, okay. It's not the original. And then... I have a, um, when I was in ninth grade, um, Jess Velashik, shout out to Jess Velashik, gave me a uh, fucking, like, double XL, and I was, like, real little at this time, dude. I was probably, like... So it was, like, a nightgown? Fuck yeah, dude. It was yeah. huge. 
And, and so double XL still huge yeah. on me. So I never wore it. So it's real minty. Yeah. And that's and it's just uh, it just has the woo world and then blue with a white stripe, blue and then and that's it. But it's minty and it's woo wear. And that's that was dope. It. Yeah, it's kind of weird, man. And I always wanted jeans. Yeah. You know, with like. Instead of the Levi's knit stitch, like the fucking W stitch. Yeah, Wu-Tang was like, I believe, the first hip-hop group to create their own clothing. Oh, label. yeah, dude. They, made, they opened they were the first in all to, kinds of areas. Yep. I know they had, like, Wu-Tang insurance and, like... Really? Yeah, yeah. There was a... Uh, you get Wu-Tang car insurance? Yep. Well, I don't know if it was car insurance, <laughs> but it might have been, like, music insurance or something. But I remember years ago watching this documentary, and it was Riz's brother that was talking about all these different things that they were kind of trying to ambassador. Like, right on. They wanted the wooware. That went well. So they moved on to, like, other branches of businesses and just branched out in as many yeah, things yeah, as they yeah. could to create the whole Wu-Tang empire. Like, uh, you remember that Riz is smart as fuck, yeah. dude. You remember that Chappelle show skit where they had Wu-Tang working at yeah, the yeah. copy place? Yeah, and yeah, shit? yeah, that shit was hilarious. So while we're still on the 50 Cent topic, so Get Rich or Die Trying was his debut album, but Power of the Dollar was actually his first album, but... He got shot after that. That was supposed to be his major label debut. And he got shot, it got shelved, and never released. And Get Richard I Tryin' was what he came back with after the shooting. Did they ever release the original one? Not officially, but you, like can, you can find, find it, it online places. It's really good. Is it? But you can tell the difference in his voice because his he got shot different? through the mouth. Yeah. You can tell the difference in kind of his draws and stuff. If you, Man, can, if you listen crazy. closely, you can hear it. Yeah, to get fucking hit like that. I think nine times is... Fucking crazy. And now he's like one of the biggest producers in television. He really doesn't even do yeah. music anymore. I remember you telling me that, and I kind of yeah. looked into it a little bit. And Yeah. Yeah, his, he's in, his name's fucking everywhere, dude. Yep. He's got... It's like Curtis Jackson, Curtis Jackson, Curtis Jackson, everywhere. He has 25 shows, I believe, that he's executive produced. Insane. And he's still continuing to pump out more, too. That's dope. Well, since you mentioned uh, Fiddy, uh, the game's documentary, documentary yep. I think that's from that era, that just came out. 2005. Okay, 2005. I think. It just came out so like, from the Vinyl Me Please. Yep, two years after. So I forced myself to fucking listen to it, you know? Yep. And uh, it is fucking good, man. Yeah. Like, my friend it's Cody tight. and I were, when that came out, and the album that followed that too, we listened to that shit endlessly for like an entire year. Um, I remember he was driving his mom's Oldsmobile everywhere. And oh, we had, you guys were just fucking living the dream, yeah, dude. We had that CD and the one that followed, for some reason, I can't remember the name of it. It's like LAX something. And, oh, fuck, dude, we listened to that for... A whole entire season, like through summer, fall, winter, spring, everything, like to the point where we would just remember every word of it. And now it's like <clears throat> you don't even really have to listen to it anymore because you know it so well. Yeah, I haven't listened to it in years. Yeah, I'm like that with the Dr. Dre's of the Chronic. Yeah, which is also on the list. Yep, that's kind of. Um, Yo, I think I need to take a leak. Okay, go ahead. You uh, you have something to go on, go. 
Oh, I was just continuing on from where we left off. Yeah, with from the chronic. The chronic. Well, yeah, that's like like I said, that's the uh, that's the album, because I grew up on MTV at that time. You know yep. what I mean? Ninety two, I've been like seven. So yep. that's what influenced me in a real fucked up way. You know what I'm saying? Like the fact that I'm in northern Michigan and some dudes from southern California reach me. To me, that's fucking insane as to how far that shit has come. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's crazy how. I mean, it got there's a huge song. in like what in like 10 years it went from like non-existent to like the biggest thing in the fucking world. Yep. And it's still the biggest genre yeah, of music in the exactly. world selling wise. It's cr- there's a song on uh, or a little skit on a Royce the 5'9 song where Eminem's talking about how nothing in music has brought together more people from every different aspect of life than hip hop. You know, there's broke, there's with that, 100%. Broke, broke kids, rich kids, in between kids, depressed kids, happy kids, yeah, all of it. Yep. Like it's all like one big melting pot. And there's a bit of different music from each of that aspect. Right, when you make your beat, you fucking grab shit from yeah. other places for sure. So that's no, I'll agree with cool that. about the genre. I remember, Definitely. I don't remember how old I was specifically, but I remember dubbing the Chronic to over an Alan Jackson cassette tape on my. How the fuck could you do that to Alan Jackson? Because <laughs> I was tired of listening to "It's All Right." I want to be a little bitty or whatever. <laughs> And uh, we had a plethora of country tapes floating around Alpena, Michigan. So oh, we still do, in case anybody oh, yeah. out there wants to. And get so I would just cheap. dub over the shit to use as tapes because my mom wouldn't buy me the CDs and stuff at the time. Oh, for sure. Rightfully so. So what was that? Ninety two was that? Yeah. Um, another album that would have come out from. So that was after NWA, obviously. Right. So NWA, Straight Outta Compton, would be another one of the important debuts. Um, yeah, that, I mean, I would say that's definitely a seminal album in the yep. history of hip-hop. And that was like one of the, that was 88, right? I believe so. Yep. Yeah, so 88 would have been, some would say 87, and I would agree with you. Um, but 87, 88 is when the golden era of hip-hop started. And I think it led all the way to late, late 90s, you know, yeah, 98, yeah. 99, even some of it. And then and that's why in the 2000s, like, there was kind of shit. a shift in sound. It went a little poppy. Yeah, which is bound to happen. I mean, things are going to change. And Well, yeah, I mean, even uh, now, it's like, it's the biggest genre in the world, but it's like, but it sounds it's not so, even hip hop. If you took. Yeah, exactly. Well, a lot of it, yeah. But there's always the underbelly. Well, right, right. There's always, like, good shit, obviously, but... But it's crazy what it's come to. Ice Cube's America's Most Wanted would have been his first solo debut after N.W.A., which was a great album, too. Some would say Death Certificate, and I'm not going to argue with you on that. They're both really, really good albums. But America's America's Most Most Wanted Wanted was done by... The Bomb Squad, who did all Public Enemies beats. Right. Because uh, Ice Cube was a huge Public Enemy fan. Easy E, Easy Does It came off of that. Yep. And then Even the, Boys in the Hood would be an, is an easy song, even though that was written by Ice Cube. For anybody that does not know that, there's a movie, a biopic called uh, Straight Outta Compton. 
if you want to learn more about NWA, that's pretty spot on. I hope most people have seen that by now. But well, yeah, there's people out there know. that may not have. Yeah. But um, we already said the DOC, which would have been another yep. spawning from NWA. I want to go back just a little bit and uh, mention LL Cool J's radio. Yep. I got that on my list, too. Oh, right on, dude. Uh, excuse me. I have that. Um, I really like Bad, too, but from front to back, radio, you can, it, you can just put it on and go, man. Bad's the same way to me. They're both really, really right. good. I remember when you found radio at the store yeah. here years ago yeah. before I did. Yeah, and I like, was, uh, I didn't even, I was like, man, I can't believe that was even there. I'd never seen it here, but... Uh, I think I like Bad a little more, but it's hard to say because Radio has such iconic songs. Yeah, like, like just the, the song Radio in general. Radio, yeah. Rock the Bells, which that's where the name Rock the Bells for the festival came from, if nobody knew that already. Yeah. So think of how iconic that is. I mean, I, mean, and that I was, think people forget how big he actually was at the time, man. Because he went kind of R&B later right. on down the road. Spitting I think about, I need love, girl. Yeah. And I think people kind of not, I don't know, fell off, I guess. Like, there were obviously the people that listened to him beforehand. Uh, 85 was when radio came out, right. by the way, if I didn't already say that. Def Jam. That came out, and then he comes out with Bad. Um, he's doing the Cool Modi diss, and he also dissed Cannabis at one point. And had all these other like little rap beefs going on, but people often remember him for the R and B stuff because that was what got a lot bigger and movies and et cetera. Oh, definitely. And don't associate him with I mean, he was very, very important in the beginning movement of hip hop. Oh, he t- but then he turned into or and I don't blame him. Like he got you know, he turned into like like you said, an R and B and then kind of like a tried to be like a sex symbol. Yep. But, you know, look at his name. Ladies love cool J, yep. you know, James. I mean, RZA was uh, trying to do something yeah, like that before yep. Wu-Tang. So, And I'm not hating on the guy at all. Like, I didn't really listen to his uh, R&B shit too much. A couple songs here and there, whatever. But I still listen to Bad and Radio all the time. Well, I got into LL because of doing it. Like that second wave of him getting popular and then i got led back which um another album like that would have came out did rick rubin do radio yeah. okay i thought so but i didn't want to no, say it did not yeah i'm pretty sure he did bad too probably yeah because he was like def jam's poster child at the time um i mean he was running like i mean he did the beastie, beastie boys. boys license to ill that's yep. another one now i would say commercially that's definitely the best one but in my opinion if i had to pick that would not be for beastie boys right license to ill would be farther down my list because i'm not saying it's horrible but their shit gets so good the more they fucking go you know what i'm saying like the rhymes get tighter the fucking beats are sick i like paul's boutique the most but that's mostly because of all the funky beats and samples and musicianship that they have going on on it and it's just a really fun album to put on. Oh, most definitely, man. But Def Jam had a ton of good albums throughout the 80s and 90s. And even now, I mean, they're still a powerhouse label. 
think Benny just signed to Def Jam not that long ago. And Snoop Dogg was like the curator for that. Wasn't DMX on Def Jam? Yeah, for a little bit. It's Dark and Hell is Hot is on my list, and yep. it is the shit. And then like Method Man's first debut album. Yep. To Cal, that was on Def Jam. Def Jam. I, I just pulled that out. Because, you know, on this list, I was like, I you know, making sure yep. that I had some shit right. Jive and Tommy Boy would have been another two big labels yeah, at that time. Yeah. Jive had a Tribe Called Quest. Um, Wu-Tang was on Jive. Um, Tommy Boy had, like, Naughty by Nature. Naughty by Nature, Queen Latifah. Um, Digital Underground? Digital Underground, Brand Nubian. Brand Nubian, that's um, right. Yeah, when they say that's the golden age, man, it really is. Jungle Brothers was on there. I want to say, I can't remember if Beat Nuts were on Tommy Boy or not. Um, while we're on Tommy Boy, De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising is another debut that I have on there. and Which is a very fucking hard album to listen to and find. Because Tommy Boy, for some reason will not let the rights up to it. They've redone, like, all of their 30th and 40th anniversaries. Like, they redid Capone and Noriega. They redid Digital Underground, Brand Newbie and Queen Latifah, et cetera. Yeah, I know you can still get Capone and Noriega. Yeah, but they still refuse to re-release De La Soul, and I don't know what the hang-up with it is, but you can't stream it. You can't. It's hard to buy any copy of it because they're so limited. And... It's just fucking annoying yeah, crazy, to not weird, be able man. to listen to it like that. Yeah, and that's a dope-ass group, man. Yeah. And they dissed Tupac on that album. Kind oh, of. Oh, shit. Yeah. Well, another uh, another duo from 87, Paid in Full, Eric B. and Rakim. That, that's a fucking, that's a good opening album, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was... Uh, fully produced by Marley Mall yeah. and um, MC Shan was in on that too. And I believe, if I remember correctly, they recorded it. Oh, I said that weird. Recorded, recorded it. it <laughs> Sorry. And oh. I said the same thing. They recorded it in, it was either Rakim's or Marley Mall. You read the book recently. I haven't read it in a while. Was it his mom's living room or something like that that they recorded most of that in? And Marley Mars? I believe it was his mom's he, living room, yeah. Yeah, it was his mom's living room, okay. I, if I remember right. Yeah, I just read it fucking last week. Yeah. But I was way past. That was, like, kind of towards the beginning. Yeah. Um, MC Shan's Born to be Wild was another one that I wanted to put on that was from 88. And oh, I forgot about that. Him and uh, Boogie Down Productions, when Criminal Minded came out, that was 87. They had the the Bridges Over um, rap beef that they had oh, going okay, on. Okay. Like, that was some of the start of some of the really good diss songs. And like Cool Mo D and LL Cool J had that. Like Cool Mo D had that album where he was pulled up in like a Range Rover, a Mercedes or something. And the, if you look closely on the album, the one cover has um, a Kango hat underneath the tire. Oh, shit. That's hilarious. And that's a diss to LL Definitely. Cool J. And then I remember Ice-T and Power in that Pusher Man song where mm -hmm. he's trying to sell that junkie all the music. And he's like, oh, I got some of that cool Modi. And he's yeah. like, all right, man. And he's like, listen, all this stuff. 
He's like, I got some of that rhyme syndicate. He's like, yeah, baby, give it to me. That and then he's like, hilarious. I got that LL Cool J. He's like, nah, you can keep that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fucked up how they used to diss each other a lot like that. Man. We could do a whole episode on diss songs, actually. That would be another fun one. Yeah, that do, would be Because there fun. are some really, really good ones, and I'm not going to waste time getting into them. Oh, um, we didn't even say, like, Nas Illmatic, which was on um, one of your influential albums. Yep. Nas Illmatic That's was... That's like the first one on my list, actually. Yeah, that was a probably one of the biggest debuts, actually. Um, Large Professor, DJ Premier, Pete Rock, and Q-Tip who oh, are all so respectively good. from already great, successful groups, uh, were all formed to produce his first album. And I think that kind of set him up for failure throughout the rest of his career. Well, yeah, though, he had because to live up to it. You will never relive up to that. Oh, it's indeed. like when you come out with the first movie, that's great. And then you come out with the second, and it just can't shine a light to the first right. one. That's what I think Nas did with his career. Not to say that he didn't put good things out after, but there was nothing that had the same breath of life. That no, there was done. nothing that you could play from front to back. Because I, I think he has a lot of filler yeah. and some shit. I mean, I would say his first four albums, and even Stillmatic, I can pretty much play front to back. Right. But okay. I hardly listen to him as much as I've listened to Illmatic. Gotcha. That's one that I could just throw on any time if I'm like, I don't know what to listen to. Well, I guess I'm going to listen to Illmatic again. There was a... It was, I do honestly like uh, Hip Hop is Dead, though, too. Yep. That was good, too. Who else? Um, I got Biggie's Ready to Die. Oh, classic. 94. That was uh, on my list. Yeah, that's that's an album that... I can still play today, but I can also oh, yeah. all the time. Machine Gun Funk. Oh that's my one God, of my yeah. favorite Give me the loot. songs. Give me the loot. Yeah. I love how for years I didn't know that in a lot of the songs where there's different voices and stuff, yeah. that's Biggie playing yeah, yeah. alter egos. Yeah. I didn't know that for a really long time. I oh, always yeah. thought it was somebody else. No, that shit was dope. Cause like Kendrick Lamar does that a lot where he's got all these different personas like kung fu kenny and whatnot and maybe people don't realize that biggie was doing that a long long time ago as far as i know he was like the originator of that and i'm i believe in the uh the dirty interlude that's little kim yep you know you kentucky fried chicken eating (laughs) motherfucker that's like my favorite line that shit's funny um brand newbie and one for all is 1990 which is uh Sorry, I almost mixed it up with Main Source. Um, Lord Jamar was in Brand Nubian, Grand Pooba, et cetera. Uh, that was a Tommy Boy release. Oh, okay. Uh, Red Man, What the Album, which was 92. Uh, Red Man is probably in my top 10 of favorite MCs because he's just, I mean, he pieces together some really good stuff, but he's always witty and funny with it. Yeah, I think he's pretty unorthodox how in his flows too. Yeah, he definitely has his own sound. Yeah, like the you know you know who it is when you hear him for yeah, sure. The funk doc sound, yeah, if you yeah. will. What about uh Pharaoh Monk's Eternal Affairs? Yep, Pharaoh Monk's Eternal Affairs. Um Sick debut. Great album. He he actually had that was his solo debut, so Organized Confusion. Right, would be his Stress the Extinction Agenda would have been his technical debut. first debut which was 
94. Oh, okay. Um, and that was <clears throat> before he went solo. But yeah, Internal, Internal Affairs I is like, great. Yeah, it's a great album. Um, it has uh, that one Maxwell sample that's on Simon Says. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, Raekwon only built for Cuban Links was 95, and that would have been one of the Wu-Tang solo album debuts. I think that's my favorite. It's, it's a toss-up between that and Iron Man and ODB Liquid Swords. And Liquid's never mind. <laughs> I, I, it's hard to pick, but that album is so fucking good, dude. Ice think, Cream's on it. Yeah, I think Only Built, ugh, only built for Cuban Links, I'm all tongue-tied this morning, is... Probably my favorite solo debut for all of Wu-Tang, but I really like RZA as Bobby Digital, too, because I love RZA's flow, just like his accent, the way he, I, yeah, he enunciates certain words, yeah. and like nobody sounds like that, and I, it's just his accent in general, like where he came from, grew up, etc., he has that sound in particular flow that I really like that sets him apart. I really I like that I was only built. Imitate it, but like I yeah. know what you're saying, yeah. dude. I really like that only built for Cuban Links is almost like a duo with Ghostface Killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Iron Man's like the sequel. Yep, definitely. And a lot of people say Supreme Clientele would be Ghostface's best solo Fuck record. That. I think it's Iron Man. 100%. It's Iron Man, dude. And I have that. Uh, music on vinyl edition yep, and it so sounds right. fucking crisp dude actually do i have the mine's purple oh mine's black i think i have the music on vinyl edition of uh iron man and not because i think i got my only bill for cuban links from get on down okay which for listeners if you're ever trying to find hip-hop vinyl check out get on down um if you just type in that on google you'll be able to get directed to their website they have a ton of hip-hop releases and they're always really up to date and they ship really fast i've never had an issue with them taking forever to get your shit places like empire records will take a goddamn year to ship your items but get on down if it's in stock they ship it that yeah i'm a satisfied customer that's how i got the seven inch box sets of biggie and wu-tang's first albums they're coming out with the low end theory seven inch box set soon i know i saw the um the test the re- press for it or no I, the repop for the two disc oh yeah it's on their website now and i was like yep. eh, i kind of want to wait for the seven inch i love that album but i hardly play my seven inch collections i have operation doomsday the seven inch collection and i hardly ever play and that is a great which debut. that's another debut yeah. but another one where technically that's his solo debut right 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 and the well, K- that's it yeah, the KMD uh, album would have been his debut, but I when it's under a different moniker. So exactly. That's, so he was Zev Love X and KMD, right. and then became MF Doom down the road. So that would have been his debut as MF Doom. Right. And then there's characters off of that, but I would say I just left it there. Um, a couple Michigan debuts that I have. Okay. Then Dayton Family, What's on My Mind, which was '95. Dayton Family was a group out of Flint for anybody not familiar. And I feel like they got outshined a lot by Detroit people because Flint's not Detroit. Right. And it was, it gave you less notoriety to be like saying you're from Flint versus we're from Detroit. And I have to respect them for not trying to say that they're from Detroit. Right. Just, they rep just Flint. to gain the they popularity. They rep their fucking block, dude. Yeah. And they did it very, very well. Like, right. 
Um, Bootleg, Shoestring, Backstabber. Those first few albums were all really, really good, and they all had solo debuts that were also all really good, too. Yeah, I have, I do have a copy of Ghetto E's solo debut. Yep. Fucking badass. I have tapes of Bootleg and Shoestring solo debuts. Oh, right on. And then I have that their yeah. debut record that's signed by Bootleg. Didn't you say it sounds like asshole, though? It does. It that's sounds awesome. terrible. But you, that I don't know. That kind of adds to the. Oh, I I totally get it, man. To the like appeal to it because it was self-produced, self-made. Right, and it wasn't, right. So I didn't expect it to be some audiophile Not masterpiece, you know. But it's cool that it's signed. It's a promo copy. It's got oh, the promo dope. cut, and like I ain't gonna find that again. I would like to find Shoestring and have him sign it. That would be cool. Um, Isham's Boomin' Words from Hell, which was 1990, which was a Detroit album. Okay. Um, I I am unfamiliar. Oh, you gotta listen to that. So, Isham came out with, well, you know who Isham is, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, Boomin' Words from Hell, he made while he was 16. No shit. And he did the too short approach where he was selling cassette tapes out okay. of the back of his truck in Detroit or car I would say and that I was know, very man. Detroit winter could have been four wheel drive <laughs> yeah that's true well on the cover it's a I want to say it was a Lexus or something on the cover okay but he sold cassette tapes out of the back of his vehicle we'll say that at 16 and I mean was fully self-produced self-made at such a young age which is dope because not many people can do that um i couldn't do that shit at 16 no not, especially while you're still in high school yeah. and you don't like but to have that drive and that exactly. mentality is dope. And that focus but it's it's a dark album in certain ways but it just it fits the 1990 sound and it has that style and it's dope you gotta listen to I'll it i'll check it out after this um Speaking of 16-year-old self-made albums, I have a track called Quests, um, People's Indistinctive Paths of Rhythm, I want to say. Is, I'm throwing that off the top of my head. Yeah, it's a it's long first title. Album. Yep. Um, Q-Tip fully produced that while they were in high school as well. They were 16, made all the beats on pause tapes. Um, For those out there that are not from Detroit, in case you thought they were, because we just... Oh, yeah. You just bounced right. that. Yeah, I did. Was like, I did. You're wait right. Wait a minute. I was bouncing it from the 16-year-old production yeah, 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 side of you. it. I got you. But he wrote Fife Dog's rhymes, Jerobi's rhymes, his own rhymes, et cetera, and pretty much had the whole album laid out exactly how he wanted it to go. And then following that, Fife Dog kind of started, he wrote his own stuff and started coming out as the witty MC that he was. But to come out with shit like Q-tip's that at a 16, fucking genius. Like, that's crazy. And Q-Tip has produced countless amounts of albums for people. He's done on a ton of features. Um, Q-Tip, actually, I was listening to this on Math Hoffa podcast the other day. Q-Tip was the one that pitched Megan the Stallion originally before she was signed. And... He said that they offered her some bullshit contract, like $30,000 or something oh, ridiculous, I think was the number. And he was like, do you have any idea, like, what this girl is going to do, like, what she's going to be, what she... And 
it wasn't that long down the road where she got signed. I believe it was Jay-Z that picked her up for Rock Nation. And I remember Q-Tip saying that he was always throwing it in the dude at Def Jam's face. He was like, look at at what she's doing. She's the biggest thing in the world right now and blah, blah, blah. Like... But the fact that he still, he's at his age, which he's not old by any means, but he's still finding new artists and trying to bring people oh, on yeah, man. still he's breathing like, life He's into a fellow music. fucking record crate digging nerd. His, he has like a massive uh, collection. Um, Still on the topic of 16-year-olds producing their own shit, Joey Badass is 1999, which came out in 2012. Uh, Joey wrote that when he was 16 which is a great album. Really? There's a couple MF Doom samples on there from some stuff. I I was deterred from him originally because of his name. Yeah. It was like, it reminded me of Kid Rock for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then I listened to it, and I was like, wow, this kid's fucking awesome. Should we put Kid Rock's Breakfast for Grits' as debuts on here? Or gr- Grits I, for Breakfast? I'm sorry, not Breakfast I don't really for care grits. for it. I don't either. It's all right, but... Um, I don't know that a lot of, I'm just throwing it on there for the sake of, I don't know if certain people know that he had a hip hop album prior to Ball yeah, and the is, and is apparently a very good DJ. <laughs> yeah. I've heard multiple, multiple people say that he's an amazing DJ. Yeah. All right. Back again. Okay. A debut, a debut solo. It's not his debut, but it's solo debut that I, I know every song front to back is Vinny Paz, Seasons of the Assassin. Oh uh, yeah, that shit is. So, I didn't even so fucking totally forgot about and Vinny Paz. Yeah, what was Jedi Mind's first album? The the Psycho Social Super Super Long like, Name yeah, yeah, yeah. album. Okay, but uh, yeah, the Vinny Paz record, man. The the guest spot. It's a fucking hip hop started off in the park. It's got like Rick Ross on it and shit. Yeah, and like Jack Frost. The beats are fucking angry, pissed. My favorite song on there is uh, Ain't Shit Changed. Yep. Is that yeah. the one that has, like, Black McCloud and shit on it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. But at the same time, that being said, that I would say that is my favorite Vinnie Paz solo record because, like, every, um, like every, almost every song is a banger. Yeah. But that's not to say that the, sub, the following ones aren't fucking kick-ass and amazing because those are fucking dope, too. Like, I like them. I just like that hard-ass fucking... Yeah, like, there's a ton of albums tough guy, that... Tough guy murder hip-hop shit. Yeah. That's what drew me to Jedi Mind Tricks, really. Right. Jedi Mind Tricks is kind of that and, like, Army of the Pharaohs and that stuff, Atmosphere. Yeah. That's, like, what full-fledged me into underground hip-hop. Oh, definitely. Is Army of Pharaohs yeah. is amazing. That was where Army of the Pharaohs was where I first heard Seven L and Esoteric. Okay. Which are Zarface, yep. including Inspector Deck, who was from Wu Tang for anybody who may not know that. Whose first album was Controlled Substances. Yep. Which I don't actually have a copy of. Inspector Deck's first record was actually really good. Um Zarface's first album, their debut would have been it's just called 7L and Esoteric and Inspector Deck equals Zarface. That came out in 2013. That was really good. Um, I'm fucking losing track of my list here. Dilated People's The Platform. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that a good one, That came out too. when I was in high school. Yeah. And, like, I had a fucking pro, like a promotional CD. And I still have it. But it's, like, the Dilated People's to promote this album. And then they passed this shit out. Yep. 
and it's like a 40 minute mix of every song on the album it's fucking dope yeah dilate people's had a lot of good stuff and then evidence on his solo things had a lot of good stuff too and he's still doing a ton of music one that i put on here who i'm not like a huge jay-z fan i respect him in the business sense of he does a lot for music he's done right. a lot in business in general um he's brought on a ton of really really good artists and he was a great artist also um he doesn't he does rap but it's not quite as often anymore he's more on the business side of things now okay yeah see when i was 18 he would have been fucking hard knock life volume two so reasonable doubt was his first album okay which i think would be if i was going to pick a jay-z album to listen to it would be reasonable doubt um and he did have a lot of good albums following that. It just wasn't something that I always listened to. And it was honestly, this is going to sound stupid, but since I was such a huge Nas fan and they had that beef, oh, yeah. I was always like, nah, fuck Jay-Z. <laughs> no, like, dude, like, I mean, when you're a kid, yeah, you have you don't, that immature like, Yeah, and you mentality. don't have the mental capacity to separate those two things. No, I it, look, it just happens. Though, you it, looked at it like that. I looked at it like... Tupac and Biggie died, and the only, that's the only reason that he got fucking big. Yeah. Like, I mean, true or not, at the time, that's how I was like, he just I think fucking he still stole Biggie's spot and yeah, shit. Fuck yeah. that. You know? I think he still would have gotten big because he's he is talented. And I mean, he's smart, he can write, yeah. he's smart, he's very business-minded, et cetera. came about a different way. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I just always preferred Nas and Mob Deep and that side of things Definitely. over... Jay-Z is all. And if you ever read Prodigy's My Infamous Life book, uh, I think he calls Jay-Z a bitch like 80 times in that book. Nice. (laughs) uh, Which is funny, but much respect to Jay-Z. Not that he's ever going to fucking hear this, but... Black Star, dude. Black Star, yeah. Most F and To Live Quality. That was when they really first started to blow up. Yeah. Which they did that... The latest Black Star album that just came out not that long ago that was pretty good too. Didn't compare to the first one, but obviously different time, different place. Right, you wait, right. you wait twenty twenty five years to do a, um, a follow up. A follow up, it's gonna yeah. sound different. Yeah, and it's not. I don't know the Fugees, the score. Yep. That their first. Yep. Wait. Yeah, should be. I, yeah. I should be. I'm yeah, pretty sure it is. Because they can't, they had one after that, and then the miseducation of Lauren Hill that followed. That. Right, I was gonna say that too. Um, which and think of all the stuff Wyclef Jean put on, dude. Like, oh, I people, know. Like that Shakira song, "Hips Don't Lie." I just seen that he won an award for uh, over a billion streams on Spotify. Oh shit! And that's just after Spotify was founded. That song came out before that. Oh, most definitely. So think yeah. of how much the sales were prior oh, yeah, to that, that and then leading was on into that. Fucking twenty four seven, yeah. dude. Radio. Um, I've got Beat Nuts, Street Level, which Beat Nuts were a sort of a lesser known New York hip hop group, but they made beats for a ton of your favorite artists. Like they had stuff for Tribe Called Quest, they had stuff for Jungle Brothers, Queen Latifah, I think had a couple Beat Nuts beats, etc. Yeah, the producers from back then don't really seem to get as much credit. No, that group was... um, And not like they're... Like they are now. Yeah. That group was Juju and Psycho Less. And I think there might have been one other guy that I can't really think of. Juju, Psycho Less. What up? Uh, Outcast, Southern Playalistic, Cadillac, Funkin' Music. 
would have been another good debut. I was sort of getting into some southern rap. That was one of the better debuts. Goody Mob's first album. Um, I think my favorite coming out of southern hip-hop was Devin the Dude's The Dude album. Which Devin the Dude is like one of my all-time favorite I just noticed on my list I have no... What, like southern style, southern rap, right? Like yeah. I would have put Mafia Family or Project Pat, yep, or some shit like that. But there's so many albums and so many, I just didn't even do it. You know what I'm saying? But, yeah, it was hard to not crank out like a thousand albums on this list because right. I could have, I could have put on so much more. But I like, I was like, fuck, I'm gonna run into like three hours on this episode. Yeah, gotta limit it. But definitely, um, I just noticed that in mine. And, I, uh, you know, we're both on the East Coast side of things, you know, yep. like that dirtier sound. Not that I don't mind laid back and I don't mind. Yeah. Um, cool thing about that Devin the Dude album is, you know, on Dr. Dre's 2001 album, there's that one song that starts with the answering machine. Yep. And it's like, I just miss you so much, blah, blah, uh -huh. blah. Dr. Dre called Devin the Dude. Because Devin the Dude originally did that on his album, and he wanted to kind of use it and steal it and revamp it in a different yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, And he put him on the song, too. But that was, I mean, Dr. Dre reached out to him personally to try to get that sound and sample and whatever he used for it. Um, yeah, that's fucking dope. Yeah. Uh, UGK's Too Hard to Swallow would have been their debut, which is another that's like, song. Yeah, that's really group. good. That's really good. Um, Chameleonaire and Paul Wall, Get Your Mind Correct, which was another very, very important album in my sixth grade life that I used to listen to walking to the bus stop all the time. Yeah, right? Yeah, I'd be, that shit sound like garbage to me. <laughs> um, you, uh, I don't know, you might like it, you might not. It might be a little... What's that? The Chameleonaire and Paul oh, Wall. Oh, I know Chameleonaire and Paul Wall. I'm yeah. saying I don't, and it's just my opinion, man. I don't like that shit. Okay. <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's too fucking poppy. Yeah. Well, later on, it did get to that way, like with yeah. Riding Dirty and shit. But this was like years before that. Okay. And it was more Texas sounding. It's um, just a style. It was I like in the, the Little Flip era, and like they were around like Mike Jones and uh, Swisher House and uh, <laughs> DJ Watt, Michael 5000 Watts, and all it that. There is, I do have a guilty pleasure for um, a couple Mike Jones songs, only because it's just fucking he so He had this silly. one mixtape called Southern Underground, I believe was the name. I'd have to really dig for it. I don't know if you could stream it or anything, but I used to listen to that all the time. Yeah. And that was before he started repeating his name 10 million times. Right. Because when that song came out, I had already known Mike Jones for like five years or something. Oh, okay. Because... Micah, my uncle's yep. friend, introduced. He was listening to all that Texas stuff, and I found a lot of that shit through him just hearing it. And oh, then, that makes a lot of sense, man. Because I grew up with like Micah's about my age, and uh, yeah, we've known each other for a while, and yep. he was into that shit along like DJ Screw and yep. all that shit. Yeah, I day. found all that stuff through him when yeah, I was makes very, sense. very young, that and makes sense. kind of like yeah. dove into it past that. Gotcha. No, I mean, that's, like, a big fucking, like, chunk of your fucking musical influence right there, Yeah, man, and that sure. was, 
I mean, they pioneered, like, East had their own sound, West had their yeah. own sound. I would say Detroit kind of had their own sound a little bit. Well, yeah, like the Dilla sound. Yeah, but the sound from the South, I mean, they pioneered that, like, it's like a mixture of, like, P-Funk, but, like, East Coast shit, but they have, like, this slowed down sound. Yeah, and that just, screwed they, and chopped, Yeah, they man. pioneered a whole different genre of yeah, music. Yeah, for sure. Same with 3-6 Mafia. I mean, they did... a they became huge later on, Grammy Award-winning artists, but they started off as just independent, doing Mystic Styles. Like Gangsta yeah, that's Boo when was I like, got into them when I was like 12, 13. Yeah, Gangsta Boo was like 14, 15 years old when she was doing that shit. Shout out to Gangsta Boo. I was just listening to her on Drink Champs. What about Lil' Kim's Hardcore? Yep, that's another good one. Fucking awesome. Second album, Notorious, she, is also a badass. Yeah. She kind of pioneered that hardcore bitch, dirty hardcore yeah. bitch sound, Which like is she super and, fucking popular yeah. right now. If you listen to like <clears throat> Cardi B and Nicki Minaj and even Gangsta Boo, like she'll admit like Lil Kim inspired her to yeah. talk like that because she was saying on the interview, she's like, I was like 15, I wasn't doing any of that. She was like, I was just talking shit, and Lil Kim inspired me to do it because right. Lil Kim was also only like 16. No, she was young as fuck, dude. Yeah, but she definitely was the first one to be like. Yeah, she pioneered about, that. Like, sound, she wanted to eight and shit instead yeah. of like. Yeah, she was fucking amazing and hilarious. Totally would hang out with her back then. <laughs> now she looks like an owl. Yeah, she'd scare the fuck out of me. Um, Big L, Lifestyles, Lifestyles of the Poor and Dangerous, which is 1995, which I love Big L. He's got some really, real dirty shit couple that I threw on there just to be surprising that people may not know started off as more hip-hop type groups would have been Black Eyed Peas Behind the Front, which was released in 98. This was before Fergie joined the band, and they were actually kind of like a, an actual like hip-hop group. See, that would kind of, to me, be the definition of sellout. Because they changed their sound to gain oh, popularity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whatever. But they did come out with another hip-hop album down the road in, like, 2018. Yeah, that and it had, like, without Nas her? and some other people okay. on it. Without I don't, Fergie? I don't think it had Fergie on it, no. That's cool. Because I think that was after she went solo and whatnot. Right on. So they went back. That'd be good. Yeah. Um, and Gym Class Heroes, Papercut Chronicles would have been another one that was... A band that became huge, but they started off as a more um, independent, simple living, whatever hip hop group. Like right, they were, right. They had that sound. And then they, yeah, and then that um, the girlfriend sample. Yep. Took them over. Yep. Um, some that we didn't mention that I'm noticing: uh, Snoop Dogg's Doggy, Doggy style. style, dude. That's a yeah. classic album. That was an important one to mention. Eminem, Slim Shady LP yep. should be thrown on there as well. Yep. Again, that's 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 an amazing record front to back. That came out around the same time when I was like 12, 13. Yeah, and it's crazy how much different he sounds now exactly. compared to that. And you can definitely... Uh, you can tell that he definitely honed his craft. Listen to the evolution of him. Yeah. It's cool, definitely. Because, I mean, whatever, like, he's the biggest rapper in the world probably. Uh, well... I would say I would Snoop. Agree. I would say Snoop Dogg's bigger. Like Snoop Dogg. Oh, on, worldwide. Yeah, on everything. Yeah, Snoop Dogg um, is probably 
But we're gonna say most famous for actually rapping, because Snoop Dogg's not the most famous for rapping. Yeah, but he does have that signature laid back flow that he has. But yeah, I would say you for I mean? as far as album sales go and notoriety, Eminem I think probably Eminem's takes it. Yeah, and I mean whether that's people not even my opinion. That's yeah, just how the that's world just sees way it. Is, yeah. yeah, but whether people like him or not or whatever, he fell off his music down the road. I mean, lyrically, he pieces together some amazing things with what he says. Uh, that just the words he chooses to rhyme and the double entendres that he puts on and everything. All like that, that shit is, that he was spitting like during the 2020 election. Yeah, not that whether you agree with that or not. Because we're not here to talk about that bullshit. We're here to talk about the music. That was fucking brilliant. Mm-hmm. When he was like in that car garage and shit video. Yeah, the BET. It was the BET Cypher Awards. Okay, okay. And he had a yeah, bunch of different. YouTube that shit. It's he had a bunch awesome. of different Detroit artists on there too. Oh, right on. I got Brother Ali, Shadows on the Sun, which was his debut album on Rhyme Sayers. Uh, great record. Brother Ali is. I remember reading this thing where Slug from Atmosphere found, because they host this open mic night thing there, and they found him there and called him a flawless MC. That's sick. Um, Brother Ali has a lot of pheromonch influence, though, with Definitely. that kind of preachery cadence that yeah. he has. Atmosphere's Overcast. That's another good one, yeah. Which I think... So Atmosphere would have debuted, or Slug would have debuted in Headshots, which was his group before Atmosphere. Right. And then Atmosphere would have been their solo, or their debut as... It's Atmosphere. Yeah. Uh, I got Cypress Hill's self-titled album from 1991. Yeah, dude. Work could just kill a man. Yep. Yeah. Um, E-40's first album, Federal, from 93, which people who listen to E-40 now... He became very big with, he had a few really big songs in the 2000s, but if you go back to the early 90s, E-40 pioneered 75% of the slang that is used in the West Coast, like calling money broccoli and cheddar and shit like that. That was E-40. And he was one of the people that was like selling tapes out of the back of his car with Too Short and shit. Gotcha. He was very important to that in the beginning. Um, I got Sean Price's Monkey Bars, which would have been Sean oh, Price's. Oh, shit, yeah, dude. I forgot that was, I that forgot was, about Sean Price, and yeah, I love that shit. I that like would have been his first his, like, solo debut, and then his actual first debut would have been with Helta Skelta as Ruck, which would have been Nocturnal, and that was, um, I don't remember what year that came out in. Monkey Bars was 2005. Helter Skelter Nocturnal would have been 96. Oh, shit, like nine-year difference. Yeah. Well, because he was with... I've heard... I can't remember who it was. Somebody on some other podcast I was listening to, probably Math Hoffa podcast. It might have been Method Man, actually. That was like, we met this dude named Sean Price, and everybody was like, who the fuck is Sean Price, and why is he so dope? And, like, most people didn't know that he was Ruck from Helta Skelta, which gotcha. a lot of the people already were, like, they fucked with the music. Well, right, and he goes, he is going under a different moniker. Yep. But, uh, yeah, Sean Price, if you haven't heard, like, all of his albums are fucking dope. Sean Price has some of the best punchlines in rap music, I would say. It's fucking Along great. him and Self-Titled. I love Self-Titled's witty punchlines. Trying to think of what else. Oh, The Roots, Do You Want More? 1995, which was 
if you're not familiar with the roots, you should be. Black Thought is probably one of the most lyrical MCs to ever rap ever. Who That's recently just all I can say. An album yeah, Danger Lib. Mouse. Or Danger Mouse. I'm sorry. You're right. I knew I what you meant. Lib. Yeah, he knew what I meant. I don't know, but yeah. That's a great album. It just came out. You should check it out. Stream it. Buy it. I'm just throwing out a last few before we start to wrap it up here. You can um, Cannibal I can Ox. tell that you definitely are the hip hop head of the two of us. <laughs> um, like I said, hip hop is like what I've dug into the most. I oh, think. Oh, for sure. And I've done that with other genres too, but I'm just I've just like been into all this shit down. It's awesome. I've just been into hip hop so long that I just. You get tired of hearing the same people or whatever, so you go to find other things or what groups they were in or what group brought them on or whatever. Oh yeah, it's the same way as any other genre that you're trying to get down to. Yeah, and I used to be more critical about it. Like, if anything got radio play, I wasn't listening to it. But I watched this interview one time with Mers, and he was like, "How does?" This, and I don't remember what he used as an example. Okay. But he's like, how does this differentiate from this? And he was comparing something from the 90s to something like Migos now. And he was like, is it, people say that it's not hip-hop, that it isn't this or that or whatever. How is it not? It's still hip-hop, it's still this, it's still that, whatever. So listening to his take on that made me change my outlook to where I opened up and looked at people like J. Cole and Kendrick and um, Joey Badass and Pusha yeah, yeah. T and, like, the people who were in the limelight at the time, and still some of them are. I would say he opened up my eyes to being able to accept that stuff still as hip-hop and pick out what's good in there versus what's bad due to personal taste, whatever. So that opened my doors to a lot of different music that I wasn't into already. So it gave me the ability to check out all this other shit, which led me to find all these other things. Well, yeah, it's kind of like just because it's got mad radio push or it's that fucking good. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I grew up, uh, I, there's still like, you know, people listen to the fucking radio. Yep. I can't not say that that didn't have a huge effect. Same thing, like I said, with the MTV yeah, um, MTV definitely had an effect. You know. So did 106 and Park, BET. Yep, all right. I used to watch between, I remember, I don't know what channels they were everywhere else in the world, but here they were channels 27, 28, and 29. What Was, was Sway on that show? Yeah, Sway was the news reporter. That's what I thought. And then AJ and Free were the hosts of the show. And it was like TRL for hip-hop, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was TRL, there was... VH1's like behind the music and then they had something that was kind of like music videos like TRL and BET but I can't remember what the name of it was oh on um, VH1 yeah but between those three channels I would always swap around like that was my I'd get home from school and I'd be watching that and writing things down gotcha. then I'd be on the computer downloading the shit or whatever um, or if I heard something I like by somebody else playing it i'd find out what it is write it down download it definitely um cannibal ox the cold vein is another album that i wanted to write down that came out in 2001 uh dead prez's let's get free uh which i don't know how many people are familiar with dead prez but the beginning of Chappelle's show the song that comes on that's a dead prez song 
Del the hunk, Del the hunky Homo sapien, Del the funky Homo sapien. <laughs> uh, Wish my brother George was here. It was released in '91, and the uh, the brother George is a nod to George Clinton from Parliament. Oh, okay. And that album was executively produced by Ice Cube, who would be Del's cousin. Del was in a group called Hieroglyphics. All fucking related. Uh, yep. And I think. Oh, the locks, money, power, and respect, which was Jada Kiss, Styles P, and right, Sheikh right. But yeah, that's fucking. I mean, I could throw out like a hundred and one more, but I'm not. Right, I don't you wanna... could put like Tupac's. Yep. Tupacalypse, but I don't think that that's his best work. But you can definitely tell. That but it is kind of like with Eminem. It is can... a groundbreaking debut. Right. Because right. Brenda's got a baby. It was a huge. Yeah, song. it was fucking. Yeah. Definitely, and it was a huge statement was, at the yeah, time. Big yeah, big statement. It painted a picture for definitely, but yeah, that's so that's why mine was kind of slim because I was trying to, and I wanted to make sure like I knew what I wrote down. And you, I've, like you said before, you're you know you're like dug deep into hip hop, so it's, it could go on for like hours, you know. Yeah, I could do a whole episode just on underground debut releases, but I didn't want to make it to where it was overwhelming because oh definitely from the beginning of this episode to the end not everybody's gonna be sitting there writing down every single little thing you know if we brought you on to something that you might not have known about or whatever that's all i want to do man that's what we're here for okay we should definitely uh talk about sophomore releases in the future yeah we could do that or the dreaded third album releases. Oh, that were actually good. Yeah, that's sometimes the third crazy. album can go either way. Sometimes it's they're living a different lifestyle at that time. They're not as hungry writing the music, etc. Yeah. So it doesn't resonate the same. Uh, or sometimes when they started off, they didn't really hone their craft all that well yet, and then moved on to. And that. yeah, by the third one, they're the shit. Yeah, that'll be uh It'll be something to look forward to and all the people that are listening. I can't remember if I said main source Breaking Adams or not, but that was another one that I wanted to put on, which was the first song that Nas was ever actually recorded on. Uh was Live at the Barbecue, which is on the end of that yeah, album. That, the last track, yeah, it's yep. fucking sick. And Large Professor, who was the producer for Main Source was also one of the executive producers on Illmatic, and that was that connection was why he wanted him to come to the record. Gangstar's first album should have been another one that I threw on there. Big Daddy Kane's Long Live Fucking Big Daddy Kane, that was an 88 album. And there's a whole slew of those 80s rappers that are like, you could go on and on and on and yeah. on and on. Ski Low. MC Shan, sure. which we said earlier, Cool Mo D, uh, Cool G Rap. But yeah, everybody out there. Yeah. Golden um, age of hip hop. What do you late night late eighties to late nineties? Mid eighties, late nineties? Yeah, late eight, yeah, I would say mid because uh radio was eighty five. Right, so that's kinda what I would say, would say it started yeah. popping. That was when it really started to develop to develop, sorry, that signature hip-hop sound yeah we're yeah it's recognizable as hip-hop not yeah possible disco but all right we're gonna wrap this up because we're a little over an hour my kids calling me and i got shit to go do because the store opens soon um 
But anyway, hopefully people enjoyed this. If we missed any releases that you were like, oh, you should have put this on there, like like always, hit up the Instagram. The Facebook will be up and running soon, so you can get on that too. Um, Thanks for listening. As always, if there's shit you guys want to hear or do episodes on or whatever, like reach out, let us know. Yeah, give us the subjects, man. We plan to set up a Patreon here soon to where we'll give some exclusive benefits to anybody who wants to throw out a few bucks a month. We'll give you shout-outs on the podcast. Um, We plan to create our own call-in line to where we can have people call in live during the show. We definitely have some things coming in the future. Yeah, I got both of us have a lot of things that we're working on. I just haven't put them out yet because I want them to be ready to go and not have a bunch of issues when they get released. So I'm figuring out all the tiers for Patreon still, but they will be cheap. I can tell you that. And you will get some cool access to some cool shit for people who have been listening and support the podcast. I appreciate it so much. Thank you.